Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. I can't wait to introduce you to David Dean. David is a speech-language pathologist out in the Los Angeles area who is building his private practice through early intervention contracts through the regional center. I can't wait to introduce you to David. You're going to love his energy and also love how he is building his empire. Stay tuned. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we jump in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is David Dean. I'm located in Ontario, California, which is about 35 miles outside of Los Angeles. And the name of my business is called Key Communication Speech and Language Services. Fabulous. So I've been following you on Instagram for a while. So drop your Instagram handle just so people can get that out of the way. So my inter- I have two Instagrams. My personal IG is they call me Dean underscore, just one. They call me Dean underscore. And then my business IG is Key Communication SLS. All right. So go follow David on both of his accounts, but let's talk about your early days as a speech pathologist. What was your like either first job or experience in grad school or whatever that maybe sort of prepared you for private practice or like, I don't know, which is what was that early time like for you? Okay. So I guess we can start with my CF. So my first year I got a job at a school district in my hometown. I particularly did not want to go to the schools because I heard the horror stories and everybody's like, oh, the pay is bad. And I wanted medical. But I said, I need a job when I first got out. So the easiest way was to get in the district of where I lived. So I worked at elementary school, preschool to fifth grade. I had another speech therapist there who was also new to the district, but she had been been doing speech about 10 years. So she was a little bit more seasoned. So we had an instant bond, even till this day. I do miss her dearly ever since I moved. That first year, CF was definitely a learning, learning curve. You don't really know what to do until you actually get into the job. That's one thing I want to say for graduate school. So they teach you a lot of things. They give you clinicals but you don't know what to really do until you're on the job. 
my two years there, my first few years at my school district, I loved it. It was a family. I worked for the district. I was not contracted. So I had a very family-oriented district and school. I got along with pretty much all the teachers, the staff. I did co-treatments with PT, OT. So I got to really see the realm of like all the stuff. Okay, I got into high-profile IEPs and lawyers. And so it was a really big learning curve. And I think this, I still to this day believe that the schools, honestly, that first year prepared me to go on to the next levels before I decided to move. I love it. Okay, great. So then before I decided to move, so what happened next? Okay. So the decision to, to move, I got my, my first year was rough a little because I hadn't passed my praxis before I got my job. And I did not let them know that. So for those out there who struggled with the praxis, I'm going to be flat out honest. I took that praxis nine times. Okay. And I only missed it. I kept missing about five, six points. So it's very discouraging, very, very discouraging, but I kept at it. So during my CEF year, because I couldn't pass it, they basically told me I could not see my kids, see the kids until I passed. So there was a two month gap, about three months where I did not see kids until I passed. So when I got my C's, I was like relieved, like, okay, get into the second year. And I think when I got my C's, it was that clicking moment, like, okay, I have my C's now. I don't need supervision. I can go anywhere. So I went into the wheels started turning December of 2017. So I called a contract company, a couple of them. They said, reach out in January, February. That's when they start the process. And so I reached out to a couple of different people in January and February, did some interviews. And I didn't even tell my mom, my parents. I didn't tell them anything. I kind of was like, you know what? I just want to see how far I can go. And I remember talking to them and they said, where do you want to go? And I said, honestly, I need a change of scenery. It was, I got to the point where I, I talked about it, I think before on my Instagram lives about burnout. My second year I burned out because I also got a job during my CF at a private practice working part-time because I didn't want to be a speech therapist that was just into one area. And that's not saying that those who go into schools for 30 years is not good because you find your area that you're good at. So some people retire in 30 years from schools and that's what they wanted. But I kind of wanted to see what the settings were. So I got a job part-time three days a week doing private practice, early intervention to 21. So that was my firsthand experience getting working with middle schoolers, high schoolers, early intervention, elementary. And we did autism groups. We did pediatric feeding and swallowing. Um, so it was a lot of different language disorders that were rare. So I did that and I felt like, okay, I worked at a private practice a year and a half. I've worked at the schools two years. That's enough on my resume. My wheels were turning the first year. I said, I need to stay at least two years get something down on my resume, get my C's, and then I'll be more, as they say, marketable. So when spring of 2018 came, I applied to contract agencies. I told them, okay, Texas or California, because I Googled, they said the best states to work in are California, Texas, and New York. New York is too cold. Couldn't do that. So I said, you know what? Honestly, Texas or California. And they was like, we're at in uh, California. I said, it doesn't have to be Los Angeles, but if it could be close to, or I could drive on the weekend or the weekday for a dinner or something like that. I just want to be close enough to LA where I can just get there and see some friends that are down there. And so kind of went back and forth. And then they offered me a position up in my area of Ontario. I think it's in Pomona, my first job. I was doing preschool assessments and I signed the contract. And so I had six months mm-hmm. to pack up and move. And I told my mom and them, I was, at a, I was at a conference away and I got back and I said, hey guys, I signed a contract for a new job. And they were like, oh, okay. So, you know, where is it? And I said, it's in California. And so that's how the journey started. And I planned everything for six months. Got the money saved up. I had everything planned down to the time that we were leaving, the day we were getting there, my moving day. And I moved here and it was just like the rest has been history. It's just been a, an uphill since I moved to California. It's been a great, great experience. I've learned a lot 
the do's and don'ts. I love it. Well, it's all about the journey, right? And there's there's a quote that I love, which is trust the timing of your life, right? right. And you have really had some different things, right? Like the the difficulty with the praxis, right? Like that was a horrible time, I'm sure. It was a pain, but there was like probably some sort of like lesson that you learned or, or I don't know, whatever. But like there was probably something to that timing that you may or may not be able to like look back and see. But now that you moved to California and things are going like in a great direction for you, so at, at what point, I know you had, had been wanting to like have a private practice for a while. At what point did you really like start to get into it? Okay. I want to say the first thought I had was probably when I graduated, I said, you know what? I want to do a private practice eventually, but maybe not in my hometown, maybe when I moved. So when I moved to California, my plan was to work here maybe about two or three, maybe two years, figure out how, how to even get into the private practice realm of marketing. I'm like, how do I go about insurance? How do I get referrals from doctors? So my first year, I didn't really, well, I would say the first couple of months, I didn't really look into anything about it. I kind of was just working and I met some other SLPs here. We all just kind of, that, that had just moved. So we were just bonding, trying to figure out California. So about December of 2018, that well, it was about November, uh, a colleague of mine that I went to graduate school with, he lived in Glendale. So he told me he had a private practice and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Like, Jonathan, I'm so proud of you. Like, this is awesome. And so he told me about regional centers in California. And so I said, regional center, what's that? He said, you should have one in your area. If you have your private practice, your LLC, you go to them. They basically do the paperwork. You do the paperwork for them. And then they would literally send you referrals and assessments. And I said, you're kidding me, right? And he said, no. And I said, Jonathan, it cannot be that easy. And he was like, no, like, he said, call your, your local one and find out. So I thought about it for about a couple of weeks and I was like, do I really want to do that? I was like, uh. So at the time, I'm working at the school district. I'm contracted. And I was working home health, uh, geriatric for a nursing company, just to get my feet wet. I'd never done geriatrics. I didn't want to do home health. Home health was like a no for me. That was one setting. I was like, I'm not doing that. I just, I was afraid of going into a bad situation of a home. So I kind of was like, I don't want to do home health. But I tried it with the adults. So I was doing that. It was okay, but it wasn't fulfilling. Yeah. And so... At that point in December, I said, you know what? I'm going to apply for my LLC. I kind of did a lot of this on my own. I'm going to be honest. I just, I, I did some calling around, but most of the time I went and Google LLC in California, looked at the pages, read some stuff, called, was on hold for a while. Hi, I have a question. I'm trying to start a blah, blah, blah. What do I need? So I did a lot of phone calling, a lot of research. Then I figured out how to get the LLC, the articles of information, and I submitted it. And they sent it back like a couple of, I would say maybe six days, and they approved it. And so I was like, oh my God, is this real? So I called the regional center and I said, I have my LSEC paperwork. I have my business licensure. So those are the things I had. I called the regional center first. I asked them, what did I need? And they said, we need you to get this done first, then come back to us. So I got the LLC paperwork, the business licensure, the trademark, well, not the trademark, more, more like trademark for the state. I did all that. And then I went to them and then they sent me a packet and it was very thick. And I was just like, oh my God, like why did I do this? <laughs> so I quit the home health job. Because I wanted to solely focus on getting the application process done because it was a little tedious and I couldn't focus on all three of those things. So I started December of 2018. I applied. I think I submitted mine in January. I submitted about mid to late January. I submitted my application. They told me from start to finish, it would about be about three to five months. So I figured this January, let's just say May, right? Of 20, of 2019. So I applied. They sent it back for review in February for corrections. Then I sent it back again after corrections. And then I think they sent it back in March and, it's, and they said that it was good. And I had to still go through the process of another step. And then it was like another step. And so finally got approved in May. 
So it was a sigh of relief because for five months, I was just like on edge, like, is there anything else I need to do? What else can I get done? Like, what, do, I, do I need to call this? Do I need to get insurance? And after that, I got approved in April and I opened up June 1st. And within the first month, I got four initial evals. Amazing. All, from the regional center? All from the regional center. The lady who was helping me said, it's a slower process in the beginning, but once you get approved, they start pretty quick. And so I said, oh, okay. I'm thinking maybe like two and then gradually build up. It was like the first month I got four initial evals for regional center. And then from there, it was just, it just kind of took off and it's been uphill since June of 2019. I love it. So people in California, listen to this advice about the regional center, because I've heard, I've heard of this with California. I think that Illinois, I could be wrong, but I think Illinois is another state that, that has a lot of regional center referrals for people. One of the things that, that remember David said he was nervous about was marketing. Yes. And all of a sudden he ha- he's just getting, he doesn't even have to hardly market probably no. because they're just sending him referrals. Yes. They send you refer- They, It's basically you're working for this, not working for the state because it's your own business. The yeah. state gives you a rate negotiation page of what they can pay. Of course, you said you ask what you want for an assessment. You ask what you want for treatment sessions and you guys come to like an agreement on a decent rate. And so how the process goes is, once it's in your referrals, you do the initial eval, the kids start within a month later. And so after that, it's pretty much the authorization is a little different. Usually for insurance, you get an authorization and you have to kind of do an eval once a year. But these kids with the regional center, it's a little different. Regional center, there are different regional centers around all California. So each of them have a little bit of a different process. But what they'll tell you is we are the last resort of therapy. We, we encourage parents to go through insurance first. And while they're going through insurance, we will authorize you to see them for three months until the parents complete the insurance process. But if the parents don't complete the insurance process within that three months, they can reauthorize that child if that child is not three. Because most kids age out at three and regional center will release them. So most of my kids I get are, the youngest I've had is 17 months. And then they usually give you two, some kids I had two years, 10 months, something like that, but they age out at three. But they give you, there's such a need in early intervention that you honestly could get enough referrals coming in to sustain you full time. I had to turn away so many kids during out the school year because I was working full time. I had wished that I could have kept them, but I couldn't. So I think regional centers in California, anybody that lives in California, find out your local regional center, see what their rates are. If that's something that you want to, that you want to take on, because every rate is different for every regional center. I will say that some pay higher for treatments. Some pay higher for assessments. It's just, you got to kind of find a middle ground. But I want to tell you those who just want to start off and don't want to have to do insurance right away or any of those sorts, regional center is a great tool to get started. If you do have insurance, it's good because you get to keep those kids. When regional center releases them, if you're with the family's primary carrier, you can just keep those kids and build the insurance instead of billing the state. Oh, that makes sense. Thank you for describing that process a little bit more because I've heard this like thing about regional centers, but I didn't quite understand the process. So that's really helpful for the listeners. Less helpful for me because I'm in Massachusetts and or whatever, but it's, it's good for my background knowledge because people do ask me from time to time about how that works. And, and now I know. So what would you say your like day-to-day life is like these days? So right now I'm not working at the schools because I'm contracted just for 10 months. My contract ended May 29th. Usually during the summers, I have enough clients. Usually when you work contract and you're only 10 months, I've learned to save. So I usually save and budget for the summer. So I have my money set to the side for June, July. And then August, we usually start back. So my day to day, I have about, I had about three clients when, when May ended. So it was really slow. Usually during the summer times, I usually have 
seven to eight clients and I usually spread them out and I only work Monday through Thursday. I don't work Fridays during the summer months. So I usually only see about two clients a day at most three. And then that's usually about it. But for COVID, it was much slower because referrals stopped coming in. So I only had about maybe two clients that I've ever seen from regional. And then I had a private playing client that I adopted from regional center. So my day-to-day is just, I had two or three clients a day, but more recently I inherited six kids. I had four four referrals from regional center and I had a friend who has a private practice through regional center as well. And she had two kids she could take. Like she was at max. So she asked me, did I want to take them? That's a chore. So now it's about to pick back up. But usually my day-to-day, I, I usually only work Monday through Thursday. I don't work Fridays. I only see maybe about two kids a day. And it's usually about it. So my summers are very, very relaxed. I use that to kind of wind down, travel, do things for the business, things that I want to change. I strategize and sit down and go, okay, I did this. What's, what, what, what can I do? What can I improve on? That kind of stuff. So it's usually what, I, what I've been doing now post-COVID. I like it. That's really an important thing. Listeners, I really like David, how you said too, that like you spend some time strategizing and thinking about where you're going. Mm-hmm. So that's a perfect time for me to ask, where are you going with this? Like, where, what do you envision? And I know that things are wacky because of coronavirus, but in theory, like, what do you want the next year or couple years to be like for you? Right now I work my, my business part-time and I'm fully contracted with the school's and through another agency. And so I think my, I've been talking about this with my other SMP friends, like brainstorm, like guys, where do you guys want to be in the next two or three years? Like, so we kind of all go around in a circle. My business, I would love to be able to fully, fully financially be able to sustain from my business by itself. And I would honestly probably leave the schools from contracting. If I had to do the schools, I, I have a plan A. Plan A would be just work the private practice full time, take on as many regional center clients, and apply through a couple of different insurances, maybe not a lot of them, just the major ones like Medi-Cal and Blue Shield, Anthem, and et cetera, maybe about two or three insurances and literally just do that. I would just do home health with my, with my insurance and regional center and eventually hopefully open up a clinic. I'm up here in what they call the Inland Empire. So I'm outside of LA County, but I'm trying to contract with another regional center in LA so I can start getting clients in the LA area as well as up here. So the game plan is hire a couple of SO slippers to yeah. see the clients in my area and then go to, go to LA, maybe see a couple of clients in LA and then see if I can hire people eventually to see those clients there and just try to slowly monopolize, slowly if I can get contracts with just to do just assessments here, take up a couple of clients here, that kind of stuff. So that's the goal plan. If I had to, but until then I told myself, Okay, I'll still work this part-time. If I have to go to the schools, I think next school year, I would like to contract through my own agency yeah. instead of contracting through another, another third party. Because, I mean, yes, they pay well, but in reality, you're still getting cut because you're, the agency is going to take their cut from whatever the district's, the district's going to give you know, them. So for those who don't know about contracting, this is like my, this is going into my third year, third year of contracting. So contracting is good, pros and cons, but I would love to contract myself with the schools and still see my clients on the side after school. So that would be ideally. I, then I would feel, honestly, a little bit more comfortable and say I work for myself 100%. Yeah. That's the goal. Work for myself 100% in the next, if I could do it another year, maybe two years, that would be absolutely ideal. Well, and that's also absolutely doable. Absolutely. Right. That plan is absolutely doable. So I really like how, how methodical that you've been thinking about that. And I think it's really important to have a plan and, and to think about where do you want to be in one, two, three years? Because if you don't know where you want to be, like you're not going to get there. 
Agreed. Remember, as speech pathologists, we set long-term goals for our, our clients. So this is really familiar territory, right? right? Sometimes people are like, but I don't have a business background. I'm like, y'all, there's so much overlap yes. in what we do with business. Like you wouldn't believe it. And then I tell them like, you have long-term goals. That's like a business plan, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have short-term goals. And that's like, well, what do you want to do in the next 90 days or in the next year, like to move your business forward? And they're like, oh, I guess that is kind of similar. So I like that you're thinking about where you want to go. And I also like that you're thinking about building your empire, right? I, I, I didn't want to just keep it here. I thought about it. I was like, well, I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm getting, I'm supplementing, I'm supplementing, supplementing my income more than I had ever done before. I said, but I said, I think I, if I was a person that was just juice to complacency, I probably would not have even thought about it. But I'm a person of change and I like making myself a little bit uncomfortable to get to the next level. Because when you do that, you didn't realize what you actually can accomplish. So I just thought like, you know what, why not work for myself? And then in the process, I can hire other people, somewhat do like a mentoring thing, teach them, not so much about business, but if they would like to, absolutely. Because everybody, like, that was, I think I did a meetup in LA. It was called SRPs of Color. And so they had a meetup in downtown LA last year. And they had a podcast. And so I spoke on that and we said, and it kind of goes back to what you said in the beginning, there's enough to go around for everybody to own their own private practice and everybody to have enough clients because there's so many kids with disabilities and et cetera. And the world is so big. It's, it's almost like our demand for speech has gone up so much in the past, like three to five years. There's no reason why everybody couldn't be a private practice owner. And I just feel like the issue sometimes lies in selfishness and people feel like it's competition. It's really honestly not competition. I just helped my friend get her started and she got approved in April. And now she has clients because she went through the same regionals in the process. So I'm glad that I kind of went through that a little on my own by myself because I learned a lot of things that do, do and don't. So we get that monopolizing thing has always been in my head because I know people that have a bunch of it. I was like, I don't want like 20 private practice. That's, that's a lot of responsibility. Like, I don't feel like that. And so... My friend said, we well, don't actually have to have a clinic space. You can have them just go into the homes. And I said, you know what? That's actually, she said, therefore you save overhead. And I said, well, that's actually pretty smart. So I started thinking about it and I was like, uh, is it possible? And so I called another regional center and I said, is there anybody I can contact with you even though my location is in another area? And they was like, yeah, it's called like a, I forgot what they, they call it, but they almost call it like a, like a courtesy transfer. So they'll copy all my information to them and then they'll start sending me referrals as well. So I said, ooh, okay. I said, not right now. <laughs> I said, I know this is a pandemic. I said, this is just for future reference, maybe in another year, once everything clears up. And she said, okay, but yeah, that is a possibility. Blah, blah, blah. So when she told me that, I was like, okay. So started writing things down and, and strategizing. It's all about, honestly, guys, what do you want? You have to really sit down and talk, tell yourself, what, what do I want? Do I want to stay in the medical setting and retire and work my way up in, in the hospital setting? Do I want to work my way up into the school setting to be the lead SOP? It's kind of like, what do you really want? And I've always been a person of, I've always liked trying different experiences, trying something new. I mean, so I just almost felt innate for me to have a business because I like helping others and it just kind of just all meshed together. So I'm really grateful for the journey. I have a great support system surrounding me and people like you who, thank God I found your page and it was reading a lot of stuff that you had and the resources. And so that kind of helped me when I was getting my process started, especially with the forms. So yeah. forms, hey guys, let me tell you guys something. You have to buy those forms from her when I tell you it's going to save you so much time. I was literally about to sit down and try to make them by hand. And I didn't even know where to start. And I was literally about to lose it. And I was like, I don't know what, what forms do I need? I know I need to consent form. What else do I need? Attendance? Pop? I, I don't know. So I saw your ad. I think you had a sale for something. Yeah. Literally, I bought that. And I bought that, I want to say two weeks before I did my assessments. 
And I literally, I was able to edit them. I put my, my uh, logo on it, got everything formatted. And you guys, ever since then, it's literally just been a cakewalk because I printed out dozens of copies of the forms. I have them in file folders. So every time I get an assessment, I already have them in chronological order. Chronological order. So it just makes the process so much easier than doing it by hand. So there's no reason to reinvent the wheel, right? No, no, there's too much. I told people you can even Google and there's forms out here that you can download to edit yourself. But yours was just superb. I mean, that literally jumpstarted everything because I didn't have a website. So I'm a person of, I'm going to admit I'm a perfectionist. So I didn't want to start until I had everything ready. But I said, you know what? I had a business cards and I had your forms and I just kind of went with it. And it's, I've been still pretty good successfully even without a website. I'm still working on that because that's just not my forte. It's just, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheels. It's just just been great. Well, and I think that you have to kind of identify what will help you have more confidence, right? Because there's all kinds of different things that people feel like, okay, once I do blank, then I'll be ready. Or once I do blank, then I'll be confident, right? And so what, what you're saying is like, I needed my business cards and I needed my forms and then I was confident, right? There's other people who are like, oh, I can't do this until I have a website, right? And so then then rather than let that stop you, like make a website. Right. <laughs> like if you identify that that is something that is holding you back, mm-hmm. listeners, literally write it out. What is holding you back from doing this? And then look at each of those things that you wrote down and figure out how you're going to move past them. Because otherwise you're going to be still dreaming about this whole thing like 15 years from now. Exactly. and I. I think that I had friends that were like, David, you don't have to have a website to get started. Just, just, you can, that, everything doesn't have to be lined up the first day. There are some people I, that want it lined up and they get it done. So I'm not, not opposed to doing that. But one thing a, a friend of mine uh, who owns a private practice told me was, you are your own worst enemy when you, you become a business owner. And I didn't understand what she meant when she said that. And literally, like I'm working and I'm sitting here like, there are forms and stuff that I needed to submit a long time ago that I'd just been so lazy on doing. And I literally called her one day and I said, you are absolutely right. Like I am my own worst enemy. Why I did not get this process started with this other thing. And she's like, I told you, you have to literally sit down, write it out, make a plan of an execution date and get it done. And so honestly, that's because, and you got to think about it this way, it's your business. So anytime you step out and you go into a home, you're representing not only you, but your business name and that's attached to you. So you don't want that negative connotation attached to you where you weren't prepared. This is done wrong or anything like that. And so I'm a perfectionist and anything attached to my name. I hold to a high regard because I don't want a bad reputation because one bad reputation for a speech practice could be detrimental because nobody's going to send their kid to you. It's one of those things that if you really want to get it done, you're going to get it done. And honestly, at the end of the day. So I encourage everybody to write it out, execute it. If you feel like you can get started without it, go ahead and move forward. If you don't, then now is the time to go ahead and make the notes and write down, what do I want in my business? What do I want it to look like? What all things I want to have in place before I get started and get it done? Because it won't get done unless you do it. Words to live by, mm-hmm. right? All right. Is there any other pieces of advice or anything that you, you've shared a, a ton of good advice, especially for beginners, but is there anything else that you want to share either like from your personal experience or just words of wisdom for people who are just getting started or thinking about private practice for themselves? It's okay to be nervous and scared. I was very, very nervous getting started. And even you're going to be nervous leading up to getting your first client. Because you don't know how, I didn't know how I wanted to structure going into the home. I, I was very nervous. I want to call my first group of kids that I started with my guinea pigs. Because you have to remember, we are the experts, not the parents. So we're going into the home. They are already thinking we know what we're doing. Okay? So 
you have to go in with the confidence. Even if you know deep down, I don't know what I'm doing and all SLPs have been there. I don't know what I'm doing, but you just kind of got to go in and you're going to learn as you go. As my months went on, I got much more comfortable going into the homes. Now it's sort of such a quick process. If I get a referral, I call the parent in two days, introduce myself. We set a date for the assessment. I go through the whole thing. You're going to get confident as time goes on. I was not confident on the first day. I wasn't even confident in the first month or three months. It literally took me, I want to tell you guys, probably six months into it to feel like, okay, I feel comfortable now. I know what I do and I have a system set up. And your system is going to forever change as you go and navigate through your private practice. You're going to take things out, add this in. Okay, this didn't work. I have this new case, that stuff. Just be open to evolving on a, in a day-to-day, week-to-week, and month-to-month process because it's always going to change. It's going to be a curveball. So just be open to that. If you can be open to the change and evolving, then your, your journey through private practice will just kind of flow and it won't be bump, it's, as bumpy as it can be. And don't be afraid to ask for help and ask questions because there's always somebody that knows more and can give you assistance. And sometimes you don't have to suffer in silence. You can just speak out, hey, I need help with this. How did you get this started? So and that's what I did. You have to, you have to ask. And you have to ask people, hopefully, that have that abundance mindset that we were talking about, who really believe that there's enough clients to go around. The whole idea of the competitive thing and wanting to keep people on wait lists for forever, to me, that's like an old school. That's the old way of having a private practice. The new way of having a private practice, one of the new ways anyway, is to have this abundance mindset. Because let's say you you were in the same town as somebody, and maybe even you serve the same kinds of people right? The same kind of kids or diagnoses or whatever. There's going to be times where you can't take on more clients. And so you refer to the other people, or maybe they have a similar thing and you just, you want to support each other, right? Or not everyone has the same ideal clients as you do, right? Like if all of a sudden you, you like work with people with aphasia, you don't work with someone with aphasia, and then you get that referral, then you can send them to somebody else who can do a better job, right? Thing too, just if you get clients, you just don't know what to do, and you know somebody else that has experience in that area. Don't look at it as, oh my gosh, I just lost a client, I just lost money. You can't think about it that way because you're doing it to service of the child. You have to always be willing to help out and do the best interest of that client. So if you know somebody else is good in another area, don't be afraid to say, you know what, I'm not an expertise in this, but I have another current friend that's a private practice owner that is an expertise in this area. Let me give you their contact info and pass that kid on because it's the end of the day, referrals are always going to be coming in and out. So you lose that one kid then you're going to have another one coming or two within the next day or five. So it just kind of just depends. So I passed up kids and gave them to other people because either I was too full or I just didn't really know what to particularly do with that kid. And I knew that person had much more experience in that area. And that's the only way we can kind of grow all together and share the pot. You got to be able to share the pot and say, hey, I'm not good at AAC, but I know an SLP over there. She's 20 minutes the other direction, but she's a guru in AAC. You have to be able to admit your strong and your weak areas. Yeah. Because you ultimately want to attract the clients that you, that really like light you up and that you do the best job for. Right. And so there's plenty of, plenty of clients to go around and plenty of private practitioners, but I, I think that there should be more, right. I think that more people should be going into this, should be choosing their own destiny, right. You Mm -hmm. talked about following a, a path or really creating your own path too. Right. And yes, sometimes it's a little bit bumpy, but ask for help, get assistance. But at the end of the day, like you can make your decision. Do you want to stay in a school? Do you want to stay in a hospital? And those, that's a perfectly fine decision if that's the decision you make. But I I just want people to choose. Right. (laughs) Make a choice rather than waffling. Right. And I think that's where that was a pivotal moment for me. I always knew I wanted to own it, but I think when I was in the schools and I literally just had like I want to say a revelation, I was like, 
I cannot stay here for 15 years or 20. I said, there's, I said, there's no way I can do this. Come and go every single day and that be my life. And I'm not knocking anybody that does that. I'm just saying for me and my personal experience, that's how I got into entrepreneurship because I knew me sitting at the school all day just wasn't going to cut it for me because I knew there was more I wanted to do and there's more I had to give. And so I, I just, I didn't know what outlet worked best for me. And private practice allows me to have my creativity and individuality. And just, you know, I guess, as you can say, cliche, be your own boss. And it does feel good that you make your own schedules. You tell them what you will and will not do. And it just feels good just to have that, I don't want to say power, just to have that option of going back and forth. And it's not saying that private practice will always be full-time. There are times where it gets, it might get low and you may have to go pop back up in the schools. That's okay. But having your own destiny and choosing your own path and creating that moving forward has just been a great experience. And it's shocking that it's happened so soon for me because I did not expect to do that within less than a year of moving here. That was definitely not the plan at all. But I'm grateful for my friend that told me about, told me about the regional centers. And I'm glad that I pushed forward and inquired information and made those phone calls because had I not done it then, I may still have been sitting here now. So like, okay, why didn't I do it then? So it's, it's been a it's been a journey, but it's it's been good. You just kind of take it take it as you go. And another big important thing is networking. So get on these Facebook groups, talk, introduce yourself. I met a lady that owns a private practice in Santa Monica. She's been doing it for six years. Her name is Rachel. She has a podcast for AAC. She's an AAC guru. Me and her Zoomed about two weeks ago. It was very, very wonderful girl. And she was telling me how she got all her clients private pay. And she didn't start out. She started off small and it grew. But her biggest thing was networking. And little did I know, she owned the group for the Los Angeles speech therapist. I had no idea. So she let me in the group and I introduced myself and she saw me there. They, sh- they literally share referrals like every day. Hey, anybody in the Valley you need to see this kid, blah, blah, blah. I can't see it. I'm going to pass it on. It's literally what they, it's like a sharing pot and that's how it should be. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more with you. Well, can you drop your Instagram handles one more time so people can follow you? Okay. So my personal IG is they call me Dean underscore. And my business IG is key communication SLS. All right, everyone send, send David a little uh, DM real quick. Say hi to him. Tell him, tell him what part of the interview tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this resonated with you the most. And thank you so much for being on, for sharing your journey. And I wish you the best of luck in the next couple of years so that you can build that empire that you want to, and really just help more people, but also make more money too. Right. Exactly. Right. You want to help. You still want to live a good life, but you also want to help people at the same time. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right. How much do you love David? I love how methodical he is. I love how he's really thinking about his goals and what it's going to take to get there, to achieve them, and also what timelines are realistic for him to be able to do that. So if you want to be like David, if you want to start building your empire, either through early intervention contracts or any number of other places, school contracts, private pay, people in your community, whatever you want, I want you to check out my free webinar, which is available at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar where we go through the five-step plan of starting your successful private practice. Every private practitioner who is successful needs to go through these five steps. And as I was listening to David's interview, he certainly is doing those things. So if you want that information too, head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar and sign up. The free training lasts about an hour and I promise that you will learn more about private practice in 60 minutes than you ever learned in graduate school. See you there and thank you for listening. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? 
Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com, click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.